unconditional love is a difficult concept to grasp because our love for almost everything is conditional. I mean, if this or that happens, I'm not going to love the same way. For example, take something small that doesn't really matter in the grand scheme of things. Think of your, maybe your favorite sports team, let's say. Let's say I love the Green Bay Packers. Now, is there anything they could do that would make my love fade? What if the president of the Packers tore down Lambeau Field without asking and with no reason? Or what if they, some of them disagreed with my politics? Or what if they just stunk, like for decades? Could any of that chip away my love for them? Or take something a bit more serious. Could uh, a relationship, a friendship you have, is it unconditional? If a friend starts to say awful things about you behind your back, could your love change? Love isn't just a feeling that makes a heart go flitter-flutter or makes someone feel very loyal to someone else. I may not be able to control the flitter-flutter, but I, I can control the part of love that is choice. Where will I give my attention? Where will my time and compassion be offered? Will I keep a promise that isn't kept on the other end? We don't live lives at the mercy of loves we choose to love, like an investment, really. I will care about this institution. I will care about that person. I'll care about this relationship. Unconditional love says I'm going, I will watch every minute of every game no matter how bad my team is. No matter how much money they're just trying to make off of, of me. No matter how many uh, other people my spouse sees while being married to me. Uh, no matter what you say about me. Well, no matter what you do or think, my love will only grow. Like I said, unconditional love, it's a difficult concept to grasp because it doesn't really exist between human beings. And yet, that's how God loves. That's why the church teaches scripture texts like this one that we hear tonight as often as we can. It's why Lutherans say it's all grace as often as we can, which means undeserved love from God for us. The way God works doesn't make reasonable sense. God loves unconditionally. Let me set the scene for how this unconditional love gets, gets talked about in uh, 2 Samuel. Saul's been king, but it hasn't worked out. There's been a long and steady decline of Saul and his authority, while David's star has been ascending over the last few chapters of Samuel. David has been you could say kicking butt for a while now, like a, as a general, and has come to a time when the surrounding enemies of God's people, they've taken a break. David is able to rest for a moment. A transition is happening in this part of Scripture between the kingship of Saul and the kingship of David, and the storyteller makes it clear that what is happening, this, sorry, the storyteller makes it clear that is happening by no longer referring to David by name. Instead, the author writes the king. So that's how the storyteller is showing the kingship is changing from Saul to David. 
God, though, doesn't refer to David by his title or occupation. God knows him by name. God is always referring to David as my servant David. David, of course, is grateful for all that's happened. He recognizes God has given him, David, great victories. But as David looks around, he's living in a house of cedar while the ark of God is living in a tent. I mean, imagine having the most prestigious, important person you can think of over for the weekend, but instead of offering that person the nicest bedroom in your house, you say, oh, and I've pitched a tent for you in our backyard. You'll have to come inside for the bathroom, but it should be fine. David's feeling kind of weird about this. Maybe, maybe guilty, or maybe David is simply feeling this obligation to honor God with a greater house than this tent he's been traveling around in. Or maybe David wants to build God a fancy dwelling place for his ark so that God will keep on delivering David from his enemies. It's not clear, really, why David wants to change the housing arrangements for God, but clearly, and we're going to see this as David's story goes on, David does not fully understand the nature of God's grace. David's still working under the premise that this relationship with God is like every other relationship David has. You do something nice for me, I do something nice in return. And even if that's not in some contract somewhere, it's, you know, it's just kind of expected. I mean, nice manners would say, if I as a business person direct clients in your direction, because you do kind of a different business, but it's kind of related, well, then that business person should direct people to me when I need clients, right? I mean, that, I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. That's how things work. And there's that word, if. I'll scratch your back if you scratch mine. If is what makes something conditional. I'll love you if you love me back. If you keep your promises. If you don't change. Every relationship, whether we like it or not, has some ifs. That if not done could change the quality of our love. But God wants to make it clear there is no if in this relationship with God. David, you don't need to build a house for my tabernacle in order for you to have a new house yourself. You, David, do not need to pay me back in order for me to do more for you. In fact, let me be very clear, I'm going to do so much more for you. I'm fine with my tent house. Don't worry about that. And just remember, since I've lived in this tent, I've taken you from being a shepherd to being a prince. I've been with you wherever you've gone. I've destroyed all your enemies. And here's some more. I'm going to make your name great. I'm going to give you rest from your enemies. And I'm going to plant Israel so that they may have a place to live and thrive. A place where they will not be afflicted or disturbed by any evildoers. God is willing to do all of this for David because God's love is unconditional. God loves out of grace, not in hopes of a backscratch. And here's where the unconditionality becomes as clear as possible. God says, I will make a dynasty of your family. But amazingly, God explains that this promise does not mean David's descendants are going to be expected to behave perfectly. God says, when the son sins, he'll be punished. But God's steadfast love will not depart from him as it did from Saul. Notice God doesn't say if the son sins. God knows David's son, Solomon, he's going to be a stinker. 
And when he is, God says, I'll keep my promise anyway. That is grace, undeserved love from God for us. Too often we try to understand God's kind of love as a formula or a reward. If I go to worship this often, if I give a certain amount of money to charity, if I pray every day, if I put up with stuff with patience, if I'm a good person, then God will love me, or then I'll be rewarded somehow. If then, that's a formula by definition. That's conditional. But how does God love? God chooses to stoop down from the heavenly places to be born as a baby human. Vulnerable as can be to a poor young mother married to a descendant of David. There's that promise God is making to David right here in our text for tonight that David's house would reign forever. And as we see it, that reign is happening today through Jesus still. That God-born human who grew up suffered, died, and rose from death so that that kind of love, a love that would die for us, could be known to the whole world. When God claimed me in the waters of baptism, God did not say, if you love me, I might love you enough upon your death to let you into heaven. There's nothing scriptural about that. This life we're living is not a test that we will either pass or fail, just like David's. And his descendants' lives, they were not tests where God was constantly choosing whether to stick with them or not, whether to keep investing his love in them or not. God loves without condition. And when God claimed me as God's own at baptism, God made a promise to me much like he made to David. I love you. You are mine no matter what. David would struggle with what to do with that kind of endorsement, that kind of freedom. So do we, right? Loved by God like that? We can use God's love to justify selfish behavior. We can ignore God's love so that we can just go our own way. We are free to be terrible partners in God's work in this world. But all those selfish paths that we're free to tread, they lead nowhere. They all lead nowhere. And that's why sometimes our lives stay small. Sometimes our lives stay anxious and fearful, hopeless. Not because God doesn't love us, but because we misuse the freedom God's love provides. But sometimes our lives blossom and become Huge as anxiety and fear. It's like it melts off our hearts. And we learn how to hope and how to have faith and how to love as God loves. We don't quite get it right like God, but we can reflect God's love. We can get a foretaste of it ourselves. A big part of David just couldn't believe God would love so unconditionally. And I'm, I'm certain we struggle with that concept too, but that's why there's church and sermons and Bible studies to remind us that this deal God made with David, this deal God made with us, it's really good news for us. Our lives can be lived in joyful response to this good news every day. 
instead of in, in fearfulness toward what we hope might happen. There's plenty already in this world that makes life hard and scary. I mean, a pandemic threatens to make us selfish. As some tell us that efforts to keep our neighbors safe are, are constricting personal freedoms. Political partisanship threatens to make us selfish. As some tell us that we can't love neighbors if they vote for the wrong candidate. The world wants us to retreat from big love into little selfishness with every thought, word, and deed. And yet, here is God again tonight offering a way through what has been a tough moment. What promises to continue to be a tough moment? We can do church through a pandemic. It's going to take more than what we're currently doing. I'm convinced of that. We're going to need to get more creative. But God will give us what we need to stay connected. I trust that. We can be a United States through an election. In our own little corner of the nation, we can offer kindness and, and measured opinion without personally defaming the character of other people. We know God's kind of unconditional love, even if we don't quite understand it or always believe it. But we know it because God knows us. Thanks be to God. Amen.